Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Life is a canvas. Listen as Dr. Allison R. Tendler and her guests paint the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and business leaders on her podcast, The Art of Seeing Clearly. Through insightful questions and thought-provoking conversation, Allison and her guests explore the essence of what it means to truly experience life, business, entrepreneurship, love, success, and even failure through a clearer lens. I'm your host, Dr. Allison R. Tendler, board-certified ophthalmologist, surgeon, owner, and CEO of Art Vision and Artisan Skin and Laser Center. I literally get to work every day to help people see better on the 2020 eye chart. But true clarity in life and in business often requires a slightly different kind of vision. I happen to have a passion for learning how other entrepreneurs and leaders find their clarity, and I want to share with you some of their secrets to success. In today's episode, I get to sit down with Jeff Ernst. Jeff is chief left brain and partner at PKGD Group. He and his team are global leaders in developing marketing and business solutions for spirits, food, beverage, and CPG brands that make impact and common sense. Jeff believes in moving quickly and ensuring results for business growth and brand value. A true pragmatist, he calls his quote-unquote BS, throws that flag on antiquated methods and vanity metrics. Jeff is a master marketer and executive leader, relentlessly driving data-driven improvement, crafting systems of influencers, advocates, and paid media to deliver brand engagement that grabs consumer trust and attention and generates real-world results. PKGD Group, under Jeff's leadership, represents dozens of craft spirit brands, some you may have heard of, like G4, Lobo 1707, and El Bandito Yankee Tequila Brands, along with St. Liberty Whiskey. If you're in search of unique craft spirits, Jeff and his team are the ones to talk to. In today's episode, I hope you will enjoy the story of brand making that Jeff has been a part of. His story happens to be in spirits, especially tequila, but is truly applicable to any industry. You'll also learn how even the most successful leaders in business who are driven to be experts in their industry sometimes get in the way of being their best selves. Officially, Jeff, welcome to the Art of Seeing Clearly. Thanks for joining us today on our podcast. You and I were just visiting, but for our listeners, uh, everybody, Jeff Ernst is a fellow South Dakota native, uh, somewhere near and dear to my heart, who grew up in a town near Aberdeen, and at one time I actually lived in uh, my hometown of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So, uh, Jeff, you've had a varied career in marketing in so many capacities uh, with lots of different mm-hmm. business opportunities. I mean, you've been at Gateway in the computer era of the past. Um, You've done retirement, fitness, custom motorcycles. Um, So what is it that's guiding your path? Uh, I don't know if I could necessarily say that something guided it. (laughs) Uh, What drives you? you? For me, there's a few things that always have driven me. And and one was always 
uh, probably a distraction by shiny objects. The squirrel um, effect. <laughs> the squirrel effect I definitely had. Uh, and then trying to find, I think, what was a true fit. Um, yeah. And most of the things I did, uh, you know, we're always in sales and marketing, and I've always advocated those are necessary skills to know well, because, you know, once you know the art and science of that, you can apply it to really any industry. But if you looked at, you know, my, my resume, yes, the industries are all over the board from a lot in sports to tech to those things that you mentioned, you know, you know, uh, from senior living to, you know, higher education to now in the spirits world. Um, and I think that it, it, that always gave you a positive career. But uh, I think until I found out what really became a passion uh, that aligned with skills, uh, it was still trying to find my way until I had, I had reached that. So, do you, and, and you're at that point now where you're like, hey, I feel like mm -hmm. I've reached that spot. That's, that's uh, awesome. I am. It was by. It was by a happy accident, um, fortunate accident, as many things are when you're when you find success in a certain way is. Um, I had one business I was in, I had a social media technology platform that um, when um, the Cambridge Analytica scandal hit Facebook, you know, about personally identifiable information about six years ago, seven years ago now, um, it kind of really affected a lot of companies in that sector because Facebook and Instagram and everyone quit overnight, letting you access a lot about what you knew specifically about people. Um, ah. it, it used to be far creepier than it is now. It's still creepy as far as marketing data, I but it's, uh, think it's less still creepy. Kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, but when that happened, and I had an investor who um, had kind of been defrauded about uh, working in the U.S. with this very, um, you know, to enthusiasts, well-known tequila brand, and he kind of asked me to help out, and uh, because we knew how to sell and market in a variety of ways. Uh, and that just became something that connected us to a, a legacy family and understanding, you know, the good people who really are a part of that uh, agave and tequila community and, and understanding the process they go through really as, as farmers and producers and the care that they go into and the multi-generational families that are involved in these things and, and you know, knowledge and heritage has been passed down for you know anywhere from you know some fourth generation to sixth generation producers uh it just really put things into perspective that you're doing something to me that was far more real if you will so until you got into the spirits mm -hmm. you know, i'll say the spirit industry not yes. spirits as in la 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 spirits but the spirit industry of alcohol <laughs> spirits as in this. There let, go, let's yeah. be real <laughs> the spirits of alcohol well that is one of my questions do you mm -hmm. do you enjoy you know the uh the spirits that you uh, help uh market and um and you know get out to the nation and the world. So clearly, I don't know, what are you drinking in that glass? Uh, that actually, I, I poured just a sip of it. So I turned uh, 50 last year, or well, just about to turn 51 here in a little bit. But uh, my business partner and, and you know, best friend of mine, who we've known each other now for since uh, it's been 37 years, I think roughly at this point. Uh, so we both turned 50 in the same year and we had the producer that got us into this business make a private barrel for us. Uh, uh, and so this is actually from what we called our Project 71 birthday barrel. Okay. Uh, it's a G4 Reposado, but it was a experimental batch. Um, 
And it kind of to answer what you were were asking, uh, yeah, that, that part of it is is I do appreciate it and enjoy everything that we do as far as the brands that we work with. Um, we know the families, we know the real people behind them, we know the processes, we know what goes inside, and we believe in those things. We don't work with a lot of mass market or diluted or adulterated type of products that we don't feel meet a standard that all of us would mm. be proud to work with. Uh, as and, well and as you don't, you don't have a huge product line either. There's no, you have very, very select um, mm. group of products that you're working with. So you kind of alluded that each spirit that and each brand that you're working mm-hmm. with has its, they have their unique stories. They have their history. Um, do you have any, like one story that, Hey, this one really sticks out for me. You well, I mean, there's, you know, there's the one, uh, and that's the one up there, the G4 tequila. Um, so it, it means G4 as far as the name. The reason it's named that is, is it's a forged generation of one of the most legendary families, the Camarena family, in making tequila. That's what got me into this business. But it is, you know, a family that, you know, would have been making it for six generations, had their first distillery back in I think 1910, not burned down in the Mexican Revolution. Mm-hmm. That um, you know they they've been raising agave in you know a small town in the highlands of Jalisco for so many years, and you know Felipe, who's been making tequila for 40 years, basically almost his whole life, uh, developed this distillery 10 years ago that that put this unique, innovative span uh, spin on it that was more. Um, honoring tradition, but innovating all while being very sustainable. Um, You know, well, quality still comes first, but yet doing it in a unique manner that honors tradition is a great one. Um, There's part of a a whiskey brand, St. Liberty over here that I'm part owner of, uh, that we honor all, uh, we honor Prohibition Arab women bootleggers. They were real women uh, in like the mountains of Montana and Colorado back during Prohibition. And my business partner, Mark, when he was researching work for another brand, came across great stories of all these women who were bootleggers, but no one was telling their stories. As we say, there's a lot of dead kernels and a lot of whatever that are on whiskey bottles, but no one had really honored the women. And there's a lot of and women so, behind the scenes as well that were, were striving then and absolutely. now. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, from, from those things where, you know, and it allowed us to, you know, connect with people and a great group of women who are advisory boards and owners and uh, build a diverse group of ownership around it and give back to women's causes, celebrating it through great whiskeys that we bring to proof where these historic women made their whiskey. So we bottle it and use the waters from Lola, Montana or around Aspen, Colorado. There's all the stories that go into those things. So to me, those are a couple that stand out. Those are amazing. What I want to know is I was looking at that whiskey and the the mm-hmm. the thought behind it is by the end of my podcast, I want you to give me a title for what my whiskey would be called. Okay. <laughs> and for that. our listeners, you should go on and uh look at the look at the brand of of whiskey that we're we're speaking about and like all right. She, they'll know what I'm talking about. I'm, mm-hmm. I want to, I want a title name. Now I wasn't in the prohibition era, but I love no. the idea of, of that empowering um, and, and bringing those women to life through their story. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you think, you think about that. Okay. All right. I'll think about that. <laughs> so when um, 
you are creating a movement for brands that you represent. Uh, one of my questions was, and clearly you've answered that, um, you personally have a passion now for this product, this particular uh, segment of, of an industry, and there's so many. Do you feel that, um, I, I'm asking, I don't feel most marketing people have a passion for what they're what they're doing or selling. They don't know the industry well, and you seem to know this industry really well. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's a, a, a yay or nay? Do you think it makes a difference when you as the person trying to build that brand um, really has that passion and energy behind the products that they're um, backing? I think it's a significant difference maker. And, you know, there were times where I was working for people and I, I consider myself essentially unemployable. Uh, I couldn't work for anyone else anymore. And that's been the case for a very long time. Uh, but when I did, there were there wasn't anything that even though I have, you know, I've been accused my entire life of being a workaholic sort of thing. Uh, there's a difference when you're really that connected as far as your drive and, and what do you stay focused yeah. on? Uh, you know, I, I mentioned my, you know, the, the shiny object squirrel sort of habit, if you will. Um, I don't have that anymore, right? I'm not looking for a different industry or something that's next. I want to go as deeply in it, as heavily vested as I can into these brands. And even though we add new brands and things come in, it's it's a litmus test for us as far as do we can we be that dedicated to anything else that's part of our business? Because if we can't, we know it comes across in the presentation, how hard we'll focus on it. Uh, you know, we are aggressively fighting against people far bigger than than we are in the industry and if we don't believe in it first it's not going to succeed at the level that it can or should do you feel that comes across in marketing when people don't have that passion behind a product oh absolutely and you know if you, if there's no vested stake if there's no real passion in it if it's not a part of somebody's life uh, i just don't I don't think that can ever come across as a, a true connection. Yeah. You know, people people can better now today than anything else. Authenticity is paramount. It, it's almost the first thing that comes. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. you can lie to me, you can tell me the truth, you can do whatever, be, be authentic about it at least. Um, be an authentic know. liar. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but, but just, there are some of those. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Your company. Uh, PKGD uh, is yep. very specific to spirits. Um, also, you know, a few other products, and and for a, a company in general, marketing company that's very unique. Most companies are, you know, I'm doing this industry, this industry, this industry, this industry. So, what are some benefits or 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 cons uh, to solely marketing in a certain business demographic rather than, hey, I've got this really diverse clinic agency. Well, and for us, we really, we're far more beyond just marketing at this point. Yes, and that's you what are. got us you, into this industry. True, true. But we yes. are now importers, we're sales infrastructure, we consult on new brands, we do all these things otherwise. Uh, and really, ironically, the thing we don't do anymore is we don't necessarily market as much as we are the active sales side of it. Uh, uh, we yes. have agencies that have that. to do the marketing because we're too busy to market even ourselves. Um, but you know, to me, there's, you know, what I've learned in every industry that I've been in, be it, you know, golf, be it tech, whatever, there is a lexicon, there is a jargon, there is 
you know, something that you essentially, and I've always felt whatever I've been in, I've always done my best to be an expert in it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that expertise and you can't essentially talk the language, yes. and, and especially in the spirits industry, where if you get on the mixology side of it, they want you to know that you're just not filling them full of crap. And if you can't answer what goes into that or what's the process or what's the mash bill on that whiskey, or, you know, you mean to tell me seriously that gin is only distilled by the light of the full moon and you have to, yes, that's absolutely it. And here's why, you know, there's plenty of other products that cost less that have made up stories that people, you know, just won't care and they'll buy it because it's cheaper. Uh, they're going to, they're going to purchase from you because of your story, yeah. your passion and the mm-hmm. unique, like you used the word before authenticity that makes this product what it is. Absolutely. Of course, it you also know, is going to have to taste good. It's it going to have to be a good you know, product. <laughs> I, I mean, for all the years that I was in, you know, social media marketing and other things like this, you know, one unique thing about this is no matter what, you still have to taste it. Yes. You cannot take away what you know the the cliche in the industry is liquid to lips if people don't taste it you can tell the greatest story out there and there's plenty of them have especially in this age of celebrity spirit brands where if the liquid doesn't back it up they might buy the first bottle but mm-hmm. they're not going to buy the second they're not going to be a return and, repeat no. loyal customer or that word of mouth that's so important as well absolutely i mean you know, there's in the tequila world alone, I'd have to look at my phone, but there's roughly probably 3,000 tequila brands. What's going to make you stand out in you know a culture that's still trying to figure out what does well, what does this really look like? So, your company PKGD, mm-hmm. which I love the name by the way, um, you guys have some really big name spirits on your roster as well. You've got G4, and you've talked a little mm-hmm. bit about its established family background. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lobo 1707, uh, and you've got endorsements from like you, one of those endorsements you have. Um, I know that I think LeBron James, correct, is kind of a has been associated with that. Well, no, LeBron's a significant owner. Okay, um, as far there as you that go. Goes. So he's, you know, if you check out his social, um, he has been an investor in the brand. It's not just an endorsement. Anyone who's been involved in that brand, uh, LeBron, uh, other single name icons such as Arnold um, and, and other celebrities are investors in that brand. Um, and, and, you know, that one was built by, um, you know, Dia Sims is the CEO of that brand who built P. Diddy's empire. And she's one of our investors in our board with St. Liberty. Uh, it's, you know, this is a, a community that connection has been great, yeah. but that is a brand as well. Yeah. And then there's uh, El Bandito Yankee. El Bandito Yankee. Yep. They were just named in Rolling Stones, correct? Uh, Rolling Stone, Forbes has covered it. Yeah. Um, we've had a number of things, but that is uh, with NHL Hall of Famer, top 100 player of all time, Chris Chelios, as well as former NFL player, Jim Bob Morris. Um, you know, and, and that's one that I take a lot of personal pride in because really I, I worked on developing what goes inside the bottle. And I put my name on that in working with the master distiller, who is a woman, Karina Rojo, um, one of the very few master distillers in the tequila industry. That's a woman um, that, uh, you know, really we, we, you know, in working with Jim and Chris and find out what they wanted and delivering on what goes inside the bottle and, and a great brand in working on, you know, bringing that brand to market. So how, you know, some of these brands have been around for a while, but one of mm-hmm. your 
I know one of your goals when you are bringing these brands forward is, is being able to do things quickly um, and doing them explosively. So how were you able to grow some of these brands or a spirit brand so quickly to catapult it to the top to say like, Hey, we're in Forbes, we're in Rolling Stones. How do you, what was the, the why or the how behind that? You know, there's there's definitely an industry playbook in that, you know, anything with spirits is developed by a, a three-tier or a modified version of that distribution system. Okay. You've got to get your distributors on your side. You've got to get your trade on your side, be it the liquor stores, or the bars and restaurants, before it even gets to a consumer in any way. And in all those cases, you have to invest in every layer um, to ensure of their awareness why they like it, what they should know about it, why they should, you know, potentially tell their customers about it. And you're doing this in a very highly regulated industry. Um, it is, you know, most of the laws are born of bootlegging and deliberately designed to avoid showing preference. Um, but there is, you know, definitely a bootlegger mentality that still exists in this industry where people still have to find well, if it's completely neutral, how do I get them to choose my brand anyway? Right. Uh, so, you know, there, there's a lot of ways that go around, but, you know, you get some brands like G4 that I've grown from bottle one with my partners here in the U.S., where we did it on a very small budget by comparison. And it was, you know, tasting by tasting, bottle by bottle, all the things that go into it. Uh, you know, those things are all a part of it. Whereas with El Bandito, um, we're fortunate to have an owner in Jim Bob Morris, who, while he was an NFL player, is a much more successful businessman. He's hmm. um, 100% Native American and grew himself as a self-made man from, from basically nothing to becoming probably worth roughly half a billion. Um, and he's willing to invest in the marketing that goes yeah. to get those stories in Forbes and to do media tours. And we sponsored the Hula Bowl this year, and we've done some things at NASCAR events and a lot That's of things that, that brand recognition startup up. brands can't do. Yeah. You know, it's, we're used to, you know, we're, we're Midwestern guys for the most part, my, you know, my business partner and uh, Sean, who I said, I've known for 37 years. We actually both went to the same high school for a year or two in, in South Dakota. Uh, and we, we went, you know, ways otherwise, but still stayed connected. Um, you know, we're, we're just, what I would call that Midwestern work ethic. And we're used to building brands on a shoestring and just doing the work versus something that can greatly yes. accelerate it through public awareness. So for those brands out there, whether they're spirits or a completely um, mm -hmm. other industry, do you feel like there are any surefire ways, ways to help a brand stand out in a market that is saturated with whether, you know, it could be spirits, it could be, mm -hmm. you know, again, a completely different industry. Is there any tools of the trade or tricks like, Hey, this is what you're going to need to do. I, I think if there's tricks of the trade, it, it's finding those people who are going to be your core audience and getting that initial core audience to amplify to the people that resemble what they like as well. Um, anyone who feels they can be something to everybody is destined to fail by spreading themselves out too thin. And so if it is something like that, there's only so many people that are going to spend $40 on a, a bottle of tequila or $50 or, you know, in the case of G4, up to $200 on a bottle of tequila. But know your core audience and, and make sure that they really, really love you 
um, and build that community around you, be it through social, be it through events, whatever that is, mm -hmm. but identify who your core is and, and take them and expand on that rather than, you know, you, you can't be a brand that reaches ages 21 to 80 in every demographic and every household income level. You just can't find the ones that zero in. You are referred to as uh, chief left-brained, you know, <laughs> left, left-brained, the analytical and methodical mm -hmm. mind, if we look at what a left-brained is. And you have a business partner who is, you know, kind of like chief right-brained. Do you... How do you guys work together? And do you believe it's possible for someone who's one side or the other? Um, how do they successfully contribute or even be able to say like, hey, I've also have attributes of this side um, that I need to do in order to help successfully lead a business? Yeah, how do you I feel mean, like I, the left brain, right brain fits into this? Uh, and there were some that will say that between the two of us, we make up one brain, but um, it's... <laughs> You know, there definitely is, you know, between myself and Sean, uh, him is, is right, me is left as far as that goes. Uh, it's, for me, it was finally at certain points in my life accepting um, who I was and, and understanding that analytical and conceptual and, and visionary side and building out those things and seeing where the path really goes versus someone who understands emotion and creativity and, and, how people uh, assess things on a far better level, right? I, I, I've been accused of keeping a lot of things in my head a lot of times because to me, they make perfect sense and, and it's difficult for me to understand how, why. How do you not understand what I mean? How do you don't understand? Absolutely. <laughs> how do you not understand? Uh, whereas, yes. you know, with, uh, with the right brain, okay, they understand that maybe you know, one, usually my concepts are far more complicated than I give them credit for. And should be so easy. It should be. Uh, <laughs> but then you need something where anybody else who that's being communicated to can both be inspired and get behind it and understand the steps one, two, three in front of them. You know, you just can't throw the big vision at people and go, oh, okay, well, we'll just come along with you. Mm -hmm. They need to understand and be inspired by somebody else who understands that a lot better than, than what I do. So, mm -hmm. so a good, a good complimentary partnership. Absolutely. And partnerships are hard. Um, mm -hmm. You know, no matter what I, I can go down the list and, you know, I openly admit, um, you know, the failures I've had in the past and, and many, you know, businesses that didn't go the way they should have and where, you know, take it on yourself to know, what you contributed to that going the wrong way. Um, mm -hmm. But then eventually doing the work to understand how it should go better. So. Well, thank you for sharing that about, about partnerships. That's something we haven't talked a lot about on the show. And I think that will ultimately deserve some more uh, attention. And I know that your flair from that analytical side, you are, mm -hmm. um, very uh, adamant about data-driven results too, which I think is super important because there's a lot of, in the marketing world, there's all the creativity side and people, that's kind of like the mm -hmm. fun side, the flair side, um, but it's really data at the end of the day that's helping people make decisions. 
What do you feel are some of the older or uh, antiquated methods, as you've used that word, that you strive to denounce in how you approach brands, your brands? Mm -hmm. And uh, um, we'll talk about throwing the bullshit flag at them, that BS flag that you talk (laughs) about. So what are what are some of those methods that you're like, this is old, this is antiquated? Get that, get rid of that. It's antiquated and it's real. But in the end, you know, when people ask me what I do, you know, my answer you know, I could go into some grand explanation as to what it is. You know, we're an importer, we're this, we, we're a national, you know, sales force and we operate in all these states. In the end, what do I do? I sell booze, right? <laughs> I'm selling a product that I paid a and certain I'm having amount of fun. money for. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun. Believe me, you know, I, I got back and, and unfortunately I'm back in Chicago right now after spending a week and a half in LA where it was 85 and sunny and, and everything else. My, my life's good. I cannot complain about that. But in the end, my business involves in me paying a certain amount for a bottle of liquor and selling it to somebody else and a profit has to be made. Yes. And there's a lot of other things that can nickel and dime away at that. I mean, believe me, when you're the tequila guy or whatever, you know, everyone is more than welcome to bring you your idea of how wonderful sponsoring and giving away booze at their party would be and what this sponsorship will bring you and all those things. Mm -hmm. But in the end, those all cost money as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, where before I was in tech, uh, you know, and more in that entrepreneurial side and a great incubator here in Chicago. And you talk about businesses that maybe never have made a dollar, but yet they're valued at a billion. But are they Uh, profitable? Yes. But are they profitable? Are they even into revenue at that point? Mm-hmm. Uh, where this is very much, you know, something that is tangible. It is profit and loss. It is whatever. Now it's an interesting thing in the spirits industry because everyone, good time or bad, drinks, and brands have done that. And you've seen, based on you know the billion dollar Casamigos acquisition for George Clooney Tequila several years ago and some other things, there is a bit of that tech factor in that. You know, we build brands that eventually we hope will be bought out by one of the multinationals and and conglomerates, but you still have to actually make money in the process. Uh, You know, it's, you know, I used to have a speech when someone comes in and says, I'd like to start a tequila brand. Well, okay. You need $2 million to start and be prepared to lose that in the first year. You you just, it's going to take time for it to come back, but it's a business. Uh, So those, that's one of probably the most antiquated things that I I really Mm -hmm. latch onto now is, you know, it's fun and games and it's liquor and good times, but it's a business. So. so besides the business side, what do you do for you? Like what's what? Hey, this is what makes me happy during my day. Uh, you know, I it, it for me is a balance. As I said, it's, you know, I'm a renowned guy that, you know, I will tell anybody I'm always working and I don't exaggerate that from the time I get up till the time I go to bed. Sometime or another, I, I'm working if needed at any given point. So trying mm-hmm. to find that balance has been one of my biggest objectives in just both between mindfulness, mm-hmm. um, meditation, healthy habits, exercise, things like that, giving myself time is one of those things. And, and then part of, you know, one of my my perks of being this is, you know, like I say, I was in Los Angeles and, and typically because of the level of spirit we work with, uh, we also... Uh, get to experience fine foods, fine cuisine, because that's where our, our liquors are served. Yes. So, you know, I get to travel to LA, Miami, New York, wherever that is, 
and experience a very good quality of life. So, I mean, I enjoy what was that. The, what's the, the last meal you had that was like, this is an amazing, like I could talk about this all day. Uh, last one I had was at a restaurant in Chicago called Smith, uh, S-M-Y-T-H. It's a okay. two Michelin star restaurant um, that is just, it's an experience that's almost beyond compare and one of the finest in the U.S. as far as that goes. And, you know, in a, in a food city like Chicago, which I will put up, you know, and as a, you know, I'll fight anybody on this one is I think Chicago is the greatest food city in the U.S. Um, and to have that sort of standout experience is always exceptional as far as that goes. Um, other than that, um, you know, to me, a great taco is always about the best it can get. And sometimes on a, a street taco, anyway. like absolutely, a little food truck somewhere. They can have some of the best stuff ever. Mm-hmm. That's fabulous. Yes. Jeff, my signature question with my podcast has a lot to do again with getting back to the theme of how do we see ourselves clear? Um, and so I'm going to ask you, um, to go into a little bit more depth on some personal mm-hmm. techniques that you're trying to instill to see yourself better, as well as ultimately seeing the world better. Okay. Besides, you know, of course, who doesn't have fun selling spirits? No. But at the end of the day, um, how do you feel that you're able to see yourself clear? Uh, I'm only able to see myself clear because probably about five or six years ago, I hired a coach slash hypnotherapist meditation guide to get me through because I I had a great track record most of my life of finding a way to defeat myself. Um, I I always had abilities that caused me to think that a lot of the rewards and accomplishments I had in life were not deserved because I didn't necessarily have to work that hard at them. And while that sounds like a cry me a river question, I found a way to sabotage myself Mm -hmm. from succeeding and and through my coach, Shell Hamilton, who, you know, it's one of those gifts that I came across her. Uh, She's got a a brilliant podcast called meditation minis. And, uh, you know, she just, she called me on my bullshit and, and she saw through and and found where my triggers were and, and what my motivations were and where my problems eventually was. Uh, she found that the core of those things and helped me build successful patterns around that. And I, yeah. I did the work for like five years to get out of my own way. And when I did, things started multiplying rapidly. Um, it, it, I can now identify when those old habits and natures come in and I can get around it for the most part, or at least be aware of it so I can work around it. But I think so many of us are still, you know, especially for me, you know, like I say, I, I lived all over this country. I grew up in a military family, uh, but, you know, South Dakota is my family's home. Uh, you grew up with that Midwestern mentality of you just fix it yourself. And, Don't talk and about it. There, yeah. You have a problem if you need to go get help. No. I mean, as the son of a That's... military man and a Dakotan, you didn't do those things. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was, that's what kept me in my own way mm-hmm. for the first 40 something years of my life was not being able to go, okay, I can do this. And I am that commander. And this is how I can come into it with intention and mindful and purpose and drive and actually know that when I succeed, I got there by doing something. And yes, I worked with my partners and people and other things had to happen. 
but I was able to push the things aside that would otherwise have derailed me. And, and I think if there's any one thing where, how do you do that? You have to know yourself, but you have to ask somebody else who you are mm -hmm. sometimes to find out what those answers are. I think takeaway points uh, from this of everything that we talked about that are, are useful to those others who are, as you look at them, high success stories, high achievers, and yet there's still that that inner demon that sometimes wants to defeat them from really maximizing and realizing who their true true self is and it sounds like you being willing to be um like i'll say put yourself out there you were willing to take that risk you actually um benefited yourself your company and mm -hmm. probably the the rest of your life and how you're going to view each situation Absolutely. you know it, it's allowing that vulnerability to let somebody sort of dig around inside your head and, and, and figure those things out. It takes, it takes consistent and ongoing effort, but the, the rewards are, are great. So yes, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that um, and opening up and being humble to, to offer that to our listeners as well. All right, Jeff. So even though I'm not a woman bootlegger of the prohibition era, um, as far as I we know, feel, as far as we know, I thought, I might have been okay at it. Um, I do feel I'm kind of an American woman pioneer in my own way. I don't know how long well I would have gotten along in the, the bootlegger days, but so I can't let you go without hearing what the name of my St. Liberty whiskey would be. You know, if we if we gave it a name, if we did that, you know, knowing who you are, what you da, 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 da. where you're from, uh, I think we'd have to call it. Uh, Doc Kendler's Laughing Water Whiskey. Um, you know, obviously it doesn't translate quite right, but uh, in the area and the translation from the Sioux language and things like that. But uh, I think that sounds like a good pioneer name for you. I like it. The Laughing Water Whiskey. It's mine. I'm going to claim it. Can't wait there to see go. that label. <laughs> Quick while I go file for the trademark so you don't take it. But anyway. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, I'd be proud. I'd be honored. There you go. Well, Jeff, it's been a true pleasure to visit with you. And I hope that our listeners will enjoy today's uh, podcast for multiple reasons. Um, not the least of those being, you know, alcohol and great tequila. And I can't wait to try <laughs> some of your brands. Um, so I'll admit I'm more of a wine drinker. I've got, you know, I've got my, it's water, it's go. not wine, but it's water <laughs> in my wine glass. <laughs> so cheers, cheers to you on the other side with Hello. yours. Um, so thanks for joining me today and, uh, discussing with us your art of seeing clearly. Really? I appreciate it. Appreciate the time. Thanks for the conversation. <laughs> Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.